2: On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual-threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFL NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code Greg88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat.
0: What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top part of the show, because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's
1: up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by Thera One CBD and NFL Sunday Ticket, and BetOnline.ag. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius, and the Lakers uh, came off a crushing 135 to 115 victory over the Portland Trailblazers where they started out the game 15 to nothing it was 24 to 8 at one point we were one point away from a an 81 point first half on on Mamba Day Uh, this was about the least stressful playoff game that you'll ever see Uh, the Lakers really took it to them uh, from from the jump and Portland looked to me like a team that is starting to get worn down by us, by our physicality, by us pushing the pace. Um, Darius, what, what do you see? The, why was this such a dominant game from the Lakers from from jump?
2: Look, man, like the defense that they've been playing has been top level. They've been playing mm-hmm. top level defense. Yeah. like, um, And I think some of this is like – The Lakers have been one of the best defensive teams all season. I'm wondering if this is what this team can look like defensively in the playoffs, where they game plan for a single team over and over and over again, and really start to drill (laughs) down into what they can do defensively to dictate the terms of engagement against a specific opponent right? And the Lakers have advantages um, defensively in terms of size and length and athleticism over this Blazers team, but the Blazers are an explosive offense,
1: man. That's the thing, man, is that it's not just that the Lakers, like, look, we put up 135 in this one, but most of the series, like, it's been our defense, man, and this is, the Blazers are in the playoffs because of their defense, or because of their offense, and so it's not just that we've been beating them. We've been favored to beat them, but like we've shut them down for the most part in this series, and they're a top-five offense in the NBA. Look, man, like when you say it was like
2: a 15-0 start or whatever it was, 13-0, I can't even remember the run that they went on to start the game. And we'll get to this in a second in terms of how the Lakers' offense looked, but they were dialed in defensively anthony davis was a wrecking ball this game defensively that first quarter was
1: unbelievable he was
2: just all over the floor he was challenging shots everywhere the way he was moving and just sort of sniffing out every portland action in terms of how they wanted to attack the defense and this is what i mean about um I wonder if this is what the Lakers defense can be in a playoff environment where they really start to learn you. Right. Like Mm -hmm. we, we one team, right? Like we often think about LeBron James as like this supercomputer offensively, right? Where you can't throw the same look at him over and over again because he's going to dissect you. He's Mm -hmm. just that brilliant of, of an offensive mind. well, from a team standpoint, I feel like the Lakers have really taken on that that approach defensively to what mm-hmm. the Blazers have wanted to do offensively and then sort of just shut that down and really incrementally made possessions harder for them. And, and one of the key stats heading into this series was that the Blazers have been one of they were one of the worst transition defensive teams off of missed baskets. So off of live <laughs> rebounds, Portland has been a very bad defensive team since since the bubble. And the Lakers have, throughout the regular season, were one of the best transition teams. Now, they weren't one of the best teams in terms of rate, right? Like Like, they didn't get out and run with, like, in like in terms of frequency they weren't a high pace team but they were super efficient in terms of how well they scored when in transition and I felt like this game specifically the Lakers really did an excellent job of turning live rebounds into transition opportunities and they were just relentless getting to the front of the rim and 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 really running the floor and a lot of credit goes to LeBron for that, mm-hmm. he was really hunting transition possessions as 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 often as possible, and it's been clear now over these three straight wins that Vogel has been in his big man like the ears of of his big men. Run the floor, run the floor, run the floor. Push the tempo against these guys; they cannot keep up with you in transition. You're gonna get easy baskets, and that's how it's going going to work. And and what was what what made that doubly effective this game is that now the outside shots were starting to fall too right and so Portland was super spread out defensively, and the Lakers were then able to just pummel them right because mm-hmm. their defense was was Putting the clamps on them, and then they were turning live rebounds into open court chances against the non set defense. And they were getting and they were scoring from all three levels of the floor, and Portland had no answers for them.
1: Yeah, it speaks to the composition of the roster. I think there's a good argument to be made that this Lakers team is the most athletic team in the league. And, like, we've got three former number one overall picks in the draft, all of whom, even still, but especially in their primes, were, like, freak type athletes right like that guy doesn't make any sense type of athletes and we've got three of those guys in our front court along with at least speed on the perimeter and if not speed guy like danny's very big and strong for a guard but just like the physical components of the game that's been something that struck me all season long and where do athletes thrive it's in a couple of places right in scramble situations loose balls things like that the guy who's bigger faster stronger is going to have an advantage against compromised defense so transition is one of those situations in which like if we play houston or regardless of who we play that pushing the pace in transition in most instances is going to be a place where lebron thrives ad thrives dwight thrives our shooters even guys like kuz right can uh fill the wing to get a layup or spot up for a three but that's where we can kind of flex our athletic superiority but the other end is on the defensive end most great defenders are pretty athletic offense is a place where you can be more like more cerebral and or technically skilled but most of the time you've got to be a pretty good athlete to be a a good defender the we so we've got that in abundance and I have been struck by how well prepared this team was, as has been defensively for this team. I've wondered a lot from a coaching perspective uh, what those several months off, what you could do with that, right? That's a super—I remember when I coached in, in high school, one of the things, once the season started, I would always be like, oh, I wish we had like some time to practice, or I wish I had a couple more days to watch tape before— we've got our next game right and the NBA has got a much you know more frequent higher frequency in terms of games and so having the ability to have a few months off I've wondered that since the beginning of like I talked to Vogel a couple times this year earlier in the year and he's somebody that in talking to him a little bit about basketball I walked away with like that feeling of LeBron gives you this feeling too of like that guy knows way more about basketball than I do. Right. And just the details and every little that's, that's I'm so attracted to basketball because it's, to me, it's so complex and you can zero in on one guy's one element of one guy's game. And it's part, this little atom within this broader basketball universe of which you could lose yourself in in a lifetime in it. Right. Um, And, Vogel's one of those guys that really understands that. But it's not just Vogel, right? It's Jason Kidd's one of those guys that understands. Now, the deployment of schemes and things like that, yeah. it's not all that goes into it. But just in terms of basketball, think of the like, the, the highest IQ guys the over mind guys. many years. Like, the mind like, guys. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. how many of those guys
2: do we have on this team? Look, man, you've got... So just on the coaching staff, I think Vogel is one of those guys. I think Jason Kidd is one of those guys um, on the team. You know, mm-hmm. LeBron, uh-huh. obviously. You've got Rondo mm-hmm. that's like that, obviously. Who else is on your list here?
1: Uh, Danny Green. Danny yeah. Green's a great defender. Alex Caruso is a brilliant basketball player, like in terms of just understanding how it all works. Jared Dudley is a guy who's not going to play that much, but he really understands how it's supposed to go, what it's supposed to be. Even Anthony Davis, much more so on the defensive end. But yeah, Anthony yes. Davis is a brilliant defender. Oh, Dwight, Dwight Howard too. We talked Howard, about this the last pod. Dwight Howard is a brilliant defender. So you're, it's, I've been thinking more and more about the composition of this team and how these first few games have gone. And I don't know how, you know, things are going to go in the next round and hopefully beyond. But you've got a supreme degree of athleticism in the front court, especially with months to prepare, with a lot of great basketball minds in an environment where there's really not much to do but play basketball. Yeah. And what we saw tonight was the version of this team where they're hitting jump shots too. Yeah. And the game was over by halftime the game it was over by half to against a team that like is probably closer to like a 5-6 seed with Nurkic and Dame went out in the second half and so did AD AD uh says that he's fine that he'll he'll be fine for the next game. Uh we'll see about Dame, he had an MRI, but I mean they had Dame in that first half like they we looked two or three tiers better than the Blazers did. So coming into the series,
2: you and I had talked about sort of would the starters be able to hold their own, right, and sort of tread water before mm-hmm. you get deeper into the game where we where we both felt that LeBron-led bench units and AD-led bench units should be able to make hay against sort of a diminished and not-as-deep Portland team, right? Mm-hmm. Let me read you some stats from the starting lineup this mm-hmm. game, right? So... They only played nine minutes.
1: (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Because AD went out early in the third, yeah.
2: Yes. Offensive rating, (laughs) 173.7. Defensive rating, (laughs) 42.1. Wow. That group was a plus 25 in nine minutes this game. And so when – and what was the advantage – that those dudes had right. It was LeBron and AD playing, not necess- if not to their peak, awfully close to it, right? Mm-hmm. I thought Javale was super bouncy and very mm-hmm. active. Javale was great, had right? four blocks. Yeah, and, and then and then Danny Green and KCP were making their jumpers. They were locked in defensively, and everyone was basically playing if not at the best version of themselves, like, approaching that. Right. Mm-hmm. And they destroyed the Blazers. Yeah. Like, that was it. That was the game. Right? The Lakers win by 20. Their starters were plus 25 in nine minutes. Right. That's the game. There's really mm-hmm. nothing else to discuss. And and it sort of shows when you're talking about, like, that the Lakers looked, you know, three or four levels above the Blazers team, it it started right out of the gate with the mm-hmm. starting lineup, the lineup that looked awful just mm-hmm. three games ago in game one. Right mm-hmm. now, basically didn't just put the Blazers on their heels. They shoved them right out of the ring. Right. They blew like,
1: them out. It was 15, nothing. We were up 15 before they scored.
2: Yeah. The game was over. Like, eh. Right, you hate to say it was over when it's fifteen, nothing because obviously like a couple of threes and then it's fifteen six or whatever but but, but it was tenor, like the first round of mm-hmm. the, it was like the like, first
1: round of a fight where you knocked down the other guy twice, like it wasn't over, but they, like they would have had to be a massive turnaround from very like I said that's like the least stressful game playoff game i've ever seen because they just took it to him out of the game, well, we were talking about this before we got got on right that like the the bar
2: was raised so high over the course of this game that when the lead went from thirty four <laughs> yes. to like twenty two, uh-huh. both I think you and me were both yeah. basically like, oh, all right, guys, like stop playing I, around, get yeah. it back together here. But it's still a twenty two
1: point lead. We needed something to complain about. Yeah, it, no, they, it was that's how dominant they were, right? And and it really speaks to just the what this team is capable of this is the version of the team that that can hit shots so let's take a quick break um when we get back i want to get into a little more about the defense and also look ahead to game five and possibly beyond so let's take a quick break and we'll be right back from tight muscles tough workouts signs of aging to simply making it through each busy day everyone understands how it feels to be tense and sore so everyone can benefit from theraone CBD products. Started by Dr. Jason Worsland, TheraBody exists to provide you with the best scientifically validated natural solutions to help soothe your body and relax your mind. It started with the revolutionary TheraGun percussive therapy device when Dr. Jason saw the benefits of using CBD in his treatments. He created TheraOne to bring you CBD products done right. A lot of CBD products claim to be organic, but still contain up to 30% filler, and these fillers are potentially toxic. TheraOne tests their products four times before they get to you. Every product is USDA-certified organic, grown in the USA, and their CBD extracts are the highest quality available anywhere. Use TheraOne's warming lotion in your morning routine, the cooling lotion or massage oil to recover, body balm for targeted relief, and sleep tincture to drift into a deep night's sleep. And now, through Labor Day, Monday, September 7th, TheraOne is offering our listeners a buy one, get one free for all TheraOne products. But you've got to go to theragun.com slash bluewire. That's theragu ncom backslash bluewire. If you don't love what you get from TheraOne, send it back for a full refund within 30 days of purchase. This is not something that theraone is likely to do again. Buy one, get one free at theragun.com slash bluewire, but only until Labor Day. Go right now to theragun.com slash bluewire. Sundays are coming back with the NFL. With NFL NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live, out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLticket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. All one word. So, I just want to touch a little more before we move ahead on the defense, because that's where I'm especially taken aback by this team because it's through four games you remember how everybody was talking about portland before the series started right and the one place they aren't like look if we had won game two 128 to 120 and game three was a similar type of story it'd be like all right like we should score against portland portland is a bad defensive team not just for the bubble or for the playoffs but they're like a bottom five in terms of defensive rating in the NBA. So if we were winning shootouts against them, that would be nice. You know, we'd have LeBron's averaging 38 per game and AD's at 36 or something like that, and that'd be super fun to talk about. But it's the, the defense, they have extinguished Portland's offense. And I've been thinking about how they do that. I don't want to be quite so zoomed in on the technicalities in this, but with the point I was making earlier about them being very prepared and great athletes, when great athletes are very well prepared, it's almost, I feel like we've got five and a half defenders on the court at all times because we can devote a little bit of extra attention to Damian Lillard. Like we can make the thing that you want to do most more difficult and recover Eight times out of 10 to the shot that you would normally get out of that double team or that one and a half type of attention where it's a soft double, right? We scramble because we've got great athletes who are big people. We scramble and close out to the three-point line as well as any Lakers team I've ever seen. I was thinking about this before this game, that this might be the best defensive team I can remember as a Lakers team. Now, they've got to do this at higher levels of basketball for them to, like, earn that mantle, but they're right up there. This is probably the best defensive team, defensive season I've seen out of a player in purple and gold with AD. And just as a team, they've been absolutely spectacular. Uh, What... Like kinda of how from your perspective, how the hell are we doing this to a top five offense? You know
2: I think that they're keyed in on who is important and who is not, right? And and, and so I love that. So what I mean by that too is when you talk about having like five and a half defenders, the way mm-hmm. you actually do that is not because you actually have more guys out there it's because on offense, you're treating certain players as though they can't hurt you or the or the makeup of or the composition of the opponents that, that you're facing allow you to tilt your defense in a very specific way in order to then pay more attention to the guys who can hurt you. Right. Mm-hmm. And so Portland has been playing for the last two games, and they changed this up in the second half of, of game four. But they were playing two bigs, right, with Nurkic and Whiteside. And then they were playing Carmelo and CJ and Dame. Well, mm-hmm. playing two bigs like that against this Lakers team has allowed the Lakers' bigs to really show extra help towards Dame and CJ while not having to recover all the way out to the arc to players who can hurt you. Right. And so already based off of personnel, the Blazers are sort of shrinking the court against themselves. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and when you have the type of rangy athletes that the Lakers have, especially in their front court, you're playing into their hands that way. Right. And then the fact that Carmelo and the Lakers are treating Carmelo as a threat, but he's clearly looked at as a notch or two below Damon CJ. Right. And so Mm -hmm. the Lakers are keying in on Damon CJ to such a high level. And then they're doing it not only at the point point of attack with very smart guards, but with their athleticism and length from their big men. And Damon CJ are not the biggest guys, right? They're not Paul George and Kawhi Leonard size. Mm -hmm. They are, you know, they're not even Alex Caruso size, right? Mm -hmm. These guys are six, two, six, three CJ might be listed at six, four. That feels generous based off of how like the style of game that he plays right mm-hmm. which is very low will will low to the ground. CJ almost always looks like he's playing in a crouch. So he doesn't even play to his size necessarily. So so much of what the Lakers are doing is is pressuring at the point of attack and then challenging shots up high against players who are not as big as them. And that's to me what makes it seem like they are just Everywhere against this team, and they're smart enough that they understand their rotations and they're executing them in such a precise and fundamental way that this game was ridiculous in terms of the closeouts. Man, like I probably counted, I don't know, eight, ten, twelve ridiculously good under control closeouts that the Lakers made this game that were just on point on time. And Portland really had nowhere to go with that. They literally had to go into their next, next option, but, I'm interested, you're saying that, like, oh, well, you don't want to necessarily get into the schematics of it all, but but are you seeing something specific schematically that the Lakers are doing, or is it really just, hey, we've got smart run-and-jump athletes who have more size than you, and this is, like, this is how it goes?
1: So, I've been super impressed with how we've defended ball screens in this series, our big specifically, and... Basically, we're showing at the level of the screen, maybe slightly higher, and there have been very few times where Dame or CJ has kind of beaten the big to the outside leg, right? And to give a better explanation of that, to, or beating to the outside leg, is like, say Dame is driving to his right and he gets a screen and say Dwight comes up. If Dame were to keep going right and like go around him, right, and get go to the basket— Guys like Dwight, even JaVale have been very impressed with JaVale's ball screen defense in this series. Uh, and then Dame is going to give it up to the pop guy, and so to the big, right? The, the guy who set the screen, who's either going to pop to the three-point line or on the short roll, so he's going to roll to the basket but not all the way. And then our rotations from there, like the guy who's supposed to pick him up is doing his job perfectly. There's somebody else who's in, responsible for two until the big who is helping on the ball screen, Dwight or Javel usually, AD as well is in this mix, can recover to where they're at. And so we're recovering super quickly. The The windows of opportunity are still there for the other team to score, but they're shorter than they are with other teams. For a couple of reasons is the speed with which our bigs can recover, like AD especially, but also Dwight and even Javel, they are... They're quick, they're fast for their size, right? And so they get back, when they're really locked in, they get back quicker. And then if it's a, a skip pass to a three-point shooter, you've got a 6'9 guy like Kyle Kuzma flying at you, or you've got Anthony Davis flying at you. So the time in which that shooter is open is is reduced he is open for a shorter period of time now that may be the difference of a tenth of a second or two tenths of a second but in something that's that usually happens over the course of a second and a half that makes a big difference and so we're not doing we're not doing anything fancy right it's not we're not reinventing the wheel with what we're doing on defense but we are executing what is a good game plan like a Said before the series in our preview, take away Dame's pull up jumper. How many times have we seen Dame come off of a ball screen and hit a three? Not nearly as often as we saw in the seeding games, not nearly as often as he's capable of. We've really done a good job of limiting that. I think he only shot two threes in this game before he went out in the third quarter. So that ability to take away that main thing that you do, and I love the point that you made about understanding who matters and who doesn't, and you know, gearing your defense toward like the, the game plan makes sense. Everybody's on the same page and you've got these Supreme athletes who are many of whom are brilliant in their own right executing it. It's like, this is a dominant defense, man. This is a, I, I really want to put in perspective this whole series as it's, it's easy to be because like in game one we were frustrated because we couldn't hit a damn three game three. We were frustrated because we were throwing the ball over the place and could have hit a damn free throw. That's obscured the fact that it's four games. They scored 115 tonight, but half the game was garbage time. And the time that matters, we dominated this game on the defensive end too. That's four straight games against a really good offense, a top five NBA offense, where we have just shut it down. Now, looking ahead to Houston or OKC, who tied the series with Houston today, they're going to present different challenges. But what I see is if we've got a game plan and everybody's on the same page for each series that we go into, if it's as good as it was for this one, we're going to be a really tough team to beat because as frustrating as our offense can be, if we're a dominant defense, like in the argument for best defense left in the playoffs, and we've got LeBron James and Anthony Davis, it's a good combination, man, and I'm I'm really excited about where things can go from here.
2: No, man, and that idea of preparation and game plan i think is super important when sort of looking forward to game five right and so game five is a closeout game closeout games are hard typically um i think the lakers have sort of exerted their will in in a way where if they come with the requisite level of effort and intensity and focus they should be fine but I do think it's important that they win Game 5. I think it's important because, just like you just mentioned, OKC and Houston are now tied at 2-2. They're going to play every other day. So as we record this, it's Monday. They will play again on Wednesday, just like the Lakers will. And then they'll at least play again on Friday. That means that the earliest... The Lakers' second round series could start if they could win game five, is Sunday, right? And so, if the Lakers are able to close out Portland on Wednesday, they would then get Thursday, Friday, and Saturday to really prepare mm-hmm. for their next opponent. They could go through practices and walkthroughs, they could really drill down in tape. And they could start to really get a better handle on who their opponent is going to be. And for a team that clearly thrives off of their preparation and could and I think if ad d's dealing with back spasms and who knows you're really trying to get rush on Rondo back, right? Who's also been banged up. Any extra time I feel like is gonna be a benefit to this team. So I'm very like on some levels, recapping what happened in game four isn't even really like worth our time, right? Like we spent a good fifteen minutes talk well, sure. we're talking about the the well the first part of, of this pod, but I'm much more interested in how are they gonna look in game five and some of this is going to depend on Dame too, right but sure but can they put this team away because they've clearly shown that they're the superior team now we thought that after the last game and this game only enhanced that idea more
1: right yeah and i, I think that i think they will um we'll see but this is a we said this at the beginning of the season of the series, but this Lakers team has to be quite exhausting to play after the series of events that led up to this for, for uh, Portland. And it's also going to be translatable to other series too. We're like, having LeBron James barreling down the lane, having Anthony Davis all over the place, banging with AD and and Dwight Howard on the boards, having Caruso riding your left shoulder the entire series, uh, having Danny Green as a bigger guard, just all of it has a a cumulative effect along with the impact that it has in individual games. And I, I think that Like you said, the Lakers have shown themselves to be the clearly superior team. Um, But I do think closing it out in Game 5 is important for those reasons. If we were this well prepared for Portland, which was a team we didn't know we were going to play until rather late in the game, right? Because they had to do the play-in game. Portland was a few games behind just to start out into, into getting that, right? So even if Vogel and company spent a lot of the quarantine preparing for each individual team there wasn't that certainty but give us you know three four days to prepare with the knowledge that it's going to be houston or okc and stack that on top of whatever preparation we did before that i the the notion of us really zeroing in on one team and us having the capability both in terms of the brain trust and the athletes to pull it off i really think that we are built for playoff basketball in that way of beating that one opponent. We have a, a way of doing it for each team, and it's going to be different for Portland than it would be for Houston, or, and that would be different from Houston to OKC. But the more time that we have to prepare for that, the greater the advantages. And I, I do think we'll close it out in five.
2: So I have one more question, and this is sort of a tangent here, but KCP has really started to shoot the ball well. Danny Green found his there. his he found his jumper this game, but he's even been shooting I feel like with more confidence in general, right? Like the last couple of games. Do you think that some of the offensive success that the Lakers have had the last couple of games is that just Portland being a bad defense or are you or do you lean to more towards the Lakers are starting to get more comfortable and figure some things out or somewhere in between for you?
1: Uh I think it's like 60% bad defense by Portland, 40% good stuff from us. Now the one thing I will say is we are running more pick and pop with ad than we have at any other point we've posted him up less in the last couple of games and i think like ad is 11 for 13 on his mid-range jumpers in the last two games from most of those are coming from little pick and pops with caruso with lebron teams are gonna show at the level of the ball or blitz on lebron similarly to how the, you know they do on dame although for different reasons and ad is just just eating in those and um, that's one thing I've liked is that that like the biggest difference between a Portland series and a Houston series. And if we get there, if if Houston makes it, um, if we get there, we'll get deeper into this, but the nature of the bigs, right? Nurkic and Whiteside are very different than anything that the Houston Rockets do on their, in their four or fives. But AD is the type of guy where he should have an advantage in whatever situation. Right, he's either going to be too big for you, or he's going to be too skilled and quick for you. Was well, too skilled and quick for Whiteside and Nurkic. He's too big for P.J. Tucker, Robert Covington, and whomever else. Now, the ways in which we go about attacking that, if we're throwing the ball seventeen feet away, I'm going to be upset about that. That plays right into Houston's, you know, uh, Houston's strength. But what I've seen, just seeing more of that. Taking what the defense is giving you and using AD's natural mismatch no matter what, that from offensively, that's been the biggest thing. And then just hitting shots like in LeBron, LeBron turning into a scorer. LeBron being more aggressive as a scorer is is another aspect of that. I think LeBron as a scorer will be huge in a potential Houston series. I believe less so against OKC. I think that's more of a series. I think that's more of a similar series to this one. But um but yeah, I, that, those are the biggest differences. Do you see anything else along those lines? No.
2: I think that if there's one thing that that I would say is that the Lakers really have been this defense first team all season and it sort of fueled their offense um in a multitude of ways. A, we talked about this earlier because it does allow them to get out in transition and and sort of get easier baskets. But B, I do think that they do sort of play themselves into a rhythm and that when they're as dialed in defensively as they've been against the Blazers, that focus does start to carry over more into what they're doing offensively. And to me, it's not it's not a coincidence that their shooting has started to come around in games 3 and games 4 when their defense has really picked it up a couple of levels more, right? Sure. Because I think you you know, you and I are not NBA caliber players, but I think that you and I would both understand that this is true for any basketball player. Get yourself some easy baskets and and really sort of start to feel the game out and other stuff just starts to come easier for you. You start Absolutely. to play in more of a rhythm and and that flow sort of builds on on itself. And so if there's one thing that I've think has been different the longer the series has gone is that game one really did seem like a carryover from what the bubble was like and if you remember game one was one of the blazers most prolific game one quarter one was one of the blazers most prolific offensive quarters that they've had a lot of that was driven by free throws but i think they put up like 36 points that quarter and they really did find ways to attack the Lakers defense ever since then it really has been the Lakers defense that has been dictating the terms to the Blazers offense and make no mistake I do I I just don't think it's a coincidence that as the Lakers have exerted their will more and more defensively they've started to find their stride more and more offensively
1: yeah I mean it's uh but the defense like He was pretty good in game one, too, right? It was. It gives us such a high floor that I don't think we've seen the last of our shooters struggling in a series or in a game. Uh, That's going to come and go, but we're going to be highly competitive even when we're shooting really poorly and tonight we got a taste of what it looks like when those shots are falling so uh, very encouraging uh, Lakers take a 3-1 lead behind a 135-115 to 115 victory let's uh, hopefully close this out on Wednesday but until then you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast we will catch you guys next time
0: Baines has got it in low to McHale McHale wants to turn his double team just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy tip to Magic, Worthy dies on his belly Magic scores there's Magic, got it Magic fires, it's the Lakers win the game! The Lakers win the game! Campbell in and out, the ball is tipped, and it's saved, three seconds left, here's Van Exel, this is for the win, he got it! Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds, an amazing performance by Kobe. Shot with his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance in Boston. Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? (laughs) I know Red Arbach is uh, rolling over. Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? How strong was that? A triple and a fall away in the corner with a shot clock down. Lakers by three. Ryan spinning in the lane. you saw a pretty pass, and it's back to a three-point game. And the critical part was Pietrus jogging back, didn't bounce the floor. It's a two-for-one situation. Kobe Bryant picked up by foul There's it's the move. Gone. Two, one, missing. Bryant, yes. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me?
1: The NBA and NHL are playing for gold, and our partners at Online have you covered. Get in on all the action, including a new NBA bracket contest with plenty of chances to win. MLB season is pushing into fall, and there's no shortage of ways to bet with hundreds of odds, futures, and props. So take advantage of the return of sports, and remember, the casino never closes. Check it out all day and all night. Go to betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag, promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.